Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Book Fest St. Louis returns this Saturday in the Central West End. St. Louis is the perfect site for events like this because of its rich literary history, past and present. Not only do we have a good population of successful, currently active writers, there are a number of books with St. Louis as the story locale. We're going to be talking about that on today's program. With me in studio, Kathleen Finneran, senior writer in residence at Washington University and the author of The Tender Land, A Family Love Story. Chris Kleindienst is co-owner of Left Bank Books here in St. Louis. She's the driving force behind the Saturday event. And joining us by phone is BookFest participant Michael Nye, author of All the Castles Burned. He got his writing start here in St. Louis. Ladies in studio, and Michael, welcome. Nice to have you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Chris, let me start with you. Um, I know you've got opening night jitters almost (laughs) (laughs) as the event uh, looms on Saturday. Um, You've really got an awful lot going on on Saturday, haven't you? We do. We have uh, 14 panels with uh, over 40 authors uh, participating this year. So lots of moving parts and lots of uh, stuff for folks, for everyone, really. Fourteen panels, you say. What mm-hmm. what kind of panel discussions are we talking about? Well, we try to arrange them. First of all, there's um, kids and middle readers, young kids, middle readers, and young adult. So for the under 18 crowd, there are things to do. And then um, adult-wise, we've got, you know, history, uh, social, political affairs, a couple of different panels of fiction, three actually, um, with different focuses. Uh, poetry. There's, um, you know, we arrange it by kind of genre and, and compatibility. And you're going to be all over the place in the central West End. How are people going to be able to find where they want to go? <laughs> it's actually not that hard. Uh, uh-huh. A lot of what takes place will take place at the corner of Euclid and McPherson, where the bookstore is. We will have one big tent, our big tent, but we'll also be inside at Dressel's and 510 North Euclid. And then down the street at the Schlafly Library, we'll have uh, all of the under-18 programming. And we have a special event with Gary Steingart, the uh, novelist uh, at uh, Bar Italia. So, you know, there's maps, there's directions, there's programs, and um, our, of course, our website, Sure, and we'll put a link to that website on ours, and we'll have all the information, all the pertinent information on our website as well. Kathleen, you're going to be a big part of the uh, the marquee event of the weekend, but that's actually on Friday. Tell us what you're going to be doing. A lot of people are going to be interested in this. I have the pleasure and tremendous privilege of interviewing Sally Field, who has written a memoir about her life called In Pieces, which I believe debuts tomorrow. Is that correct, Chris? Comes out tomorrow. Um, So she's coming to St. Louis on Friday to talk about that. We're going to take the stage in the Corisand Room at the Chase Park Plaza at 7 o'clock. It's a ticketed event. There are still tickets available, (laughs) and the purchase of the ticket gets you an autographed copy of the book, which is exciting. I had the pleasure of reading an advanced copy of the book, and so... I'm looking forward to asking her all kinds of things about the content and also about her experience as a writer and how different that was from, you know, having led the life of an actress and what that means to suddenly be working in a different media. How how well does she write? She writes pretty darn well. (laughs) She, um, I've come to understand that she took writing workshops as preparation for writing and uh, spent a, a good amount of time 
on writing the book. Some um, reports I read say that she took five years, some seven. I think that's a really great, respectable amount of time to give such an effort. And unlike many celebrity writers, she did write it herself. It was she not wrote it herself, yes. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to some of your questions a little bit later, but let's sure. bring Michael Nye into the conversation. Michael, what's your role going to be this weekend? Yeah, I am one of uh, four people on a panel at 2 o'clock on Saturday about daring debut novels. Um, that is a panel that is going to be moderated by Melissa Scholes Young, whose first novel, Flood, came out last year, and she is from the Missouri area. She grew up in Hannibal, and she'll be uh, have, fostering a discussion with me, uh, Wiki Wang, and Blair Hurley, um, whose book just came out um, at the uh, end of August, and of course, Wiki won the Penn Hemingway Award for her novel. So we'll be talking about the process of writing a first novel, how long it takes, how you keep going, uh, what kind of expectations are met or not met when the book finally comes out into the world, um, and take some questions from the audience about any and all things they would like to know about our process. Well, we'll talk more about process as this program uh, evolves, but you got your writing start right here in St. Louis. That's correct. I moved from Boston to St. Louis in 2003 to go to the MFA program at Missouri St. Louis, where one of my fabulous instructors was Kathleen Finneran. Um, and I spent three years in that program and then an additional three years living in St. Louis, where I worked as the managing editor of River Sticks, uh, which is a, uh, a national magazine published out of St. Louis that has a, a long reputation of being uh, a real champion of arts and literature in the community. How did Kathleen help you? Mike, oh, I'll so just say, ways. Michael, I'll just put in and say one of my great failings as a teacher is that I wasn't able to turn Michael into a nonfiction writer. <laughs> <laughs> he kept on the fiction path and did it very well, as we can all see. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thanks. Yeah, uh, that, that novelist thing is part of the delusion of being a writer. We're definitely the, the nuttier ones. Um, so what, what Kathleen did for me was to um, show me how to mine my own history and past to tell a story that mattered in the present. Um, one of the things that great memoirs do is they take a look at, at what's happened to them and try to build it into some kind of cohesive narrative. It, it's really a, a process of exploration, uh, not, not just explaining what has happened to you in the past, explaining the, the events that you're writing, uh, but trying to understand how it's brought you to who you are in the present. And so much of what I learned about how to craft a sentence, how to make a powerful image, how to trust my own process as a writer are all things that I learned from Kathleen. So good, good writers are made, not born. Is that what I take away from that? I think it's a combination of both, don't you, Michael? Yeah, without question. I mean, it certainly helps to have talent, but so much of being a writer really comes down to not quitting and having a belief that you can get the work done and sticking with it. That's true. That's a very good point. And thank you for that kind thing that you said, that I'd like to be able to repeat that about what memoir <laughs> does. <laughs> Chris, uh, you've, you've been in this game for a while now. What are your thoughts about St. Louis? We refer to it as fertile ground for, for authors. And, and uh, is it really? Or are we just boasting? No, I don't think we're just boasting. I think it really is fertile ground. And um, if you if you go if you look at the corner where our bookstore is, there are now busts of four authors who spent parts of their childhood 
uh, in St. Louis, and that includes T.S. Eliot and Tennessee Williams and Kate Chopin and William Burroughs. So, you know, uh, um, I think we've always been fertile ground. I think the people who don't always realize that are St. Louisans themselves. We have a we tend to have a bit of an inferiority complex, but we just churn out um, great art in all all genres. What would be the reason for that, do you think? I don't know. Maybe it's astrology. Maybe <laughs> the, the, St. Louis was born under a, a shy sign or something. <laughs> but um, I do think we're a great town, and we're a great literary town, and that, in my 44 years of bookselling has um, really just become clearer and clearer to me. Well, now that you mentioned 44 years, let me just ask quickly about how, how that all has changed. I mean, we've moved into the digital world now. <laughs> That's certainly having an, an impact in more ways than one. How has the bookselling world changed? Well, uh, state of the art as of today is that bookselling is uh, – uh, independent bookselling has never been stronger. We are um, resuming our rightful place in the in the food chain of the literary world, and people are um, appreciating the uh, localism, just the 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 importance of their um, ability to come into a place and be together and face to face and have conversations and and experience authors. Um, it's it you know the community factor is very strong, and er, we as a group, bookstores, independent bookstores, has certainly stayed current with technology. So you know you, if you want to buy your book online, you can. If you want to buy your ebook or your audio book, you can. It you can you can do all of those digital things that um, people do. Uh, but overall, uh, we really I believe have come of age. Yeah. I guess uh, the the way the Woodward book is selling <laughs> is really testimony to the fact that people are still reading and interesting interested in books. Oh, they very much are. Yeah. 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 Come back to Kathleen for a moment. I'll backtrack a little bit, yes. going back to this idea of it's being fertile territory for authors. Do you have any theories on why that might be? I have a few thoughts. One I want to say is because we have a great independent bookstore here, and um, a great independent bookstore who is known for championing the local writers. I've said this on many occasions, and I think there are not enough occasions to say it, but from my own personal experience, I very much doubt that my book would have come out in paperback if it were not for the efforts of Chris Kleindienst at Left Bank Books, mm -hmm. um, promoting it in the various ways that she did. In fact, I'm sure that's true. And I'm not alone in her taking up the cause of writers who she believes in. The other thing I think we have going for us, and this is something I've gathered from hearing the students in our MFA program at Washington U talk about St. Louis, after they graduate, they tend to stay on for a while. And um, one of the things I think that makes writing possible here is that it's a very affordable city to live in. And because so many people stay on, then the community of writers gets larger and larger and and that has a really um, inspirational and palpable energy to it. And Michael Nye, I suspect that because uh, St. Louis is a relatively inexpensive place to live, live that is, and because most writers don't make a lot of money, at least at the start, maybe that has something to do with it. 
Absolutely. Um, when I decided to go to an MFA program, one of the things that was important to me was to be able to live in a city. Um, I really need that kind of uh, energy. I like to live in a place that has different neighborhoods, that has a strong arts culture, and that was something that St. Louis had going for it. And then once you're done with your degree, you can afford to live there without going completely broke. There are pockets of St. Louis where writers can uh, afford to live. They don't have to have jobs that are soul-crushing. Um, and then we have such a strong arts community in St. Louis altogether. Um, I, one of the ones that I worked for, River Sticks, has a, a reading series that is terrific. It used to be hosted at Dust Restaurant right across the street back when Dust was still there in the Central West End and, and has moved around in different parts of the city looking for an audience. And all the writers that I have met in the St. Louis area have always been very generous with their time, very friendly, eager to talk about their work and what they're reading. So it, it feels very much like you're welcomed into the community as soon as you get there. We uh, interview a lot of authors on this program, and there's never a shortage of St. Louis authors mm-hmm. that coming through, and uh, that's always a pleasure. makes it certainly much more relevant to uh, this program. I have to take a break. We'll do that now. We'll come back. We're talking about BookFest St. Louis, which is going to be held in the Central West End this Saturday. Uh, more on that when we come back. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back to our conversation about books and BookFest St. Louis. Michael, I'll come back to you. I think it's been said somewhere along the line that everyone feels that they have a book somewhere in them. And if everyone has that, the real trick is sitting down and writing it. Tell us about the difficulty of doing that. Yeah. um, What I learned after a couple of years of trying to be a writer, going through an MFA program, and then um, trying to write around various jobs that I held in St. Louis, is that there has to be a time that is sectioned off that cannot be broken for getting my writing done. Um, for me, that has turned out to be mornings. Um, so I make sure that I wake up, I've got an alarm set, I get up before dawn, and I write for two to three hours, and then once I'm done with that period, shut down the laptop and start my day job. Um, and I think the only way to, to really get a book done is to continue working on something on a daily or weekly basis and, and really making sure that you have that deep cognitive focus on your work before you get the rest of your day started. Well, I imagine there are some days when there's nothing there, when you uh, put your fingers on the keyboard and nothing happens. Yeah, without question. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think maybe that's the thing people get hung up on if you have a a bad day or a bad series of days where the story is not coming to you. Um, You're having a hard time remembering what you want to say. Uh, The writing doesn't feel fluid. That's all right. Nobody has a perfect day in anything that they do. Um, so training myself to not get discouraged, to remember to, to get up and go back to the desk every day and to treat the days that aren't as good, which are sometimes weeks that aren't as good, um, is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's something that I've kind of learned to train myself to do over the years. Kathleen, what is your process? Well, it varies um, depending on what I'm working on and depending on my teaching schedule. But I get a 
a major part of my writing done now during winter break and over the summer. And um, I don't write on a daily basis as I'm teaching. I spend, I reserve a big parts of the weekend for writing. Uh, so a, a, a somewhat different process than Michael. I've never managed to be a morning person. So writing typically happens at night. Um, and when I was writing my first book, I, I came to realize quite quickly that the more I wrote at night, the later I would get to my actual job in the morning to the point where it became a problem. So I um, denied myself the opportunity to write on a nightly basis when I was working that full-time job and only wrote on the weekends. And it really worked well for me because I was so ready to be writing once the weekend came that I would just start on Friday night and suddenly it would be Sunday night and I would have accomplished probably guess, more than I would have in the week. Uh, I guess it's a, the same old story of different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Everybody has their own routine. Chris Klein, Dean said a lot of authors uh, come through your store, Left mm-hmm. Bank Books. What what do they tell you or do they talk about that process or are they just too too jittery uh, trying to promote their books? Well, usually um, my experience with the events is that they're they're talking about the book they just finished and they're um, reading from it. And that process question comes up from the audience almost um, reliably. You can um, be sure that someone's going to ask it. And the... I think there's between what Kathleen just said and what Michael said, uh, it's it's yes, it's all of that and more. The the um, like anything else, practice, 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 mm-hmm. work, work, work. And the the other thing that I hear from authors that read at our store is read, continue to read, start to read, read voraciously, um, and learn your craft. I think that folks who want to write a book think sometimes that there's a magic pill and and that every author they meet is going to tell them about that magic pill but really like everything else it's 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 work (laughs) how do you teach it kathleen um i try to teach with a a kind of mix of inspiration and instruction in elements of what we refer to as craft so how do you how do you craft a voice on on the page? How do you write dialogue that sounds realistic? How do you move a story from a beginning point to the next point if you have to travel over great periods of time? How do you manage time? So it's somewhat mechanical. There are things that you can teach that are just mechanical in nature and then um I think equally important is finding a way to inspire students to what Michael um, so wisely said, to just continue and not give up, which there are a lot of moments that can be discouraging along the way, and to just power through them somehow. Are, are today's young people good writers? Excellent writers, yes. We should be very hopeful for the future of literature based on the, on the young people that I'm reading. Michael, I find that very encouraging because I might have assumed, given there's so much emphasis on on video today, if you will, and on screens, that uh, it's really good to hear that young people are uh, maintaining that commitment to the written word. Yeah, and Chris will attest um, what we're seeing from children's literature, YA, middle grade, that, that I think brings young readers into 
what we would think of mass market or literary uh, fiction or nonfiction, um, there's a pipeline there. And I think that uh, libraries have really been terrific in helping to build community as well and making sure that we have a lot of people that are able to get access to a wide range of books and really thirst for that opportunity to get something that they can take home and curl up with. So like Kathleen, I feel very positive about the future of writing. Chris, he, uh, he mentions libraries, and we've done a number of programs here on the impact of libraries on community recently. It really seems to have changed. Libraries have become community centers in many cases, and that's got to be good for, for you. Well, yes, it is. I think libraries and bookstores have a healthy symbiotic relationship and very similar um, roles to play. So the healthier the libraries are, the happier we are. And uh, I think, yes, the, that libraries have continued to reevaluate how to implement their role in, as a community center. And that has come of age, too. Yeah. You see that, too, Kathleen, the, the, the impact, mo- most recent impact of libraries? Yes. I mean, personally, I frequent the library on campus in downtown um, probably every other day on campus. And and the things I find there that I'm not looking for um, have often played a great part in what I'm writing. So that's been always an exciting feature of doing, I don't really do what I would refer to um, vigorously as research, but just writing that takes me someplace that I wasn't expecting to go in my own work. We have a caller who wants to get into the conversation, and uh, we'll bring in Tori calling from Arnold. Tori, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my uh, uh, I'm a uh, first-time author from Arnold, Missouri, and uh, I have a couple of readings coming up, so I thought I'd say hey. All right. Well, <laughs> if you very quickly want to tell us about the readings, then we'll move on. Sure. Uh, I'll be at Subterranean Books on Thursday night, 7 to 8, half-price books in University City, 1 to 3 p.m. on Saturday, and then Dunaway Books at uh, 3 to 5 on uh, Sunday. Okay. So. Uh, what, what's your book about, Tori? Uh, my book is called Micro Novels. It's uh, pretty much three years of Facebook posts put together in um, Midwest uh, <clears throat> angst. Uh, yeah, very minimal inspired by the beats and uh yeah i'm having a good time and really thanks for having me i, I did uh, it's very spontaneous i went up to white castles and uh heard you on the radio and here i am now so god bless st louis okay well good luck good luck with the book well, Don, and uh yeah i'm a big fan for a long time and have a good day great same to you thank you very much michael let me come back to you with regard to the the, the, the process and starting uh, it all has to start someplace and at some time. Tell me about that with regard to, to your uh, first book. Um, what, what happened? And was, was there a eureka moment where you just said, okay, I'm ready, and you s- sat down and started typing? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> so All the Castles Burned is a novel that is about a friendship between two boys that starts in high school and ends up taking a, a darker turn over the years. And one of the threads that is in that novel is Mine for My Own Life, which deals with uh, my father, who uh, was uh, sent to prison when I was 12 years old. He, uh, I was home when he was arrested. Um, my father lived a double life that my family did not know about. And that is something that I have been working to write on 
you know, for 25 years. Um, I wrote a short essay about that uh, in Kathleen's class, and at some point, uh, it became material for my novel. Um, when I've been doing public readings and, and going around the country talking about my book, uh, I have often told people that it took me four years to write the novel. But when I actually looked it up on my laptop, uh, the first chapter was written seven years ago. And, of course, Kathleen's class then was 10 years ago. And, of course, the events that happened to me were almost 30 years ago. So uh, it, it's been something where a, a specific starting point for my book is almost impossible to find. There's just there's a whole series of things where I, I realized that uh, this is something that I've been thinking about and processing and writing about for a very long time. Which is harder, uh, writing the book or marketing it? Hmm. Oh, writing the book. Um, <laughs> you know, once the book is done, the book is done. Um, the marketing, there are other people that can help you do that. The publisher, there's an event publicist, there's being on a great radio show in St. Louis, there's uh, <laughs> newspapers and magazines. All of those things help you do it. Writing the book, you really do on your own. I mean, you've got friends that will read copies of your manuscript that will give you suggestions, but in the end, it's you in front of a laptop or in front of a notebook, writing and creating and rewriting again, and no one cares more about the book itself than the writer. So definitely the writing part. Would would you agree with that, Kathleen? Yes, I would agree with that. Um, writing is writing the book is, is much harder than marketing it. And one reason is that sometimes writers, when my book came out, which had been quite a long time ago now, 18 years ago, we didn't have the kind of social media that we have today where there is a um, a very easily accessible marketplace for you to participate in. And um, so I think that marketing the book in terms of the writer's role can be quite um, non-stressful. But I could be, I'm sort of talking off the cuff because I haven't been involved in marketing in yeah. anything for quite a long time. <laughs> But Chris Kleindienst, it can also be exhausting for the authors. I mean, yeah. you see people who are traveling around the country uh, uh, almost in a vagabond fashion trying to sell their uh, sell their wares. Well, yes. The, the, um, the conventionally published authors have publishers behind them who do a lot of that marketing. And I think that they – those authors – Authors mostly think of themselves as fortunate if that includes a book tour because that's a budget yeah. over and above the standard. So uh, they're, it's, it's wonderful that they do it because we all get to see them. And then you develop that um, personal experience, word of mouth stuff, which we know and will be happening um, at, on Saturday at Book Festival. At <laughs> uh, uh, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really recommend conventional publishing because there are professionals who do marketing and and then they leave the writing to the writers. Okay. Well, our time is winding down, but I want to come back to Kathleen because I think a lot of people want to know what some of those questions are that you'll be asking Sally Fields. <laughs> um, well, one thing I'm really interested in hearing her talk about, she refers often in the book about how she didn't – how she – at times didn't feel as if she had a voice in her career. And she was invited to give a keynote speech at um, a women's conference. And after the conference, she was approached by many um, listeners who suggested that she should write a book. 
And at that juncture, too, she, there's a, a part in the book where she, where she um, talks about not feeling as if she has a voice and how does one find their voice. And one of the things that struck me very um, clearly about the book is that she did manage to find a voice that was recognizable to me as Sally Field's voice, which was curious to me because I really don't have an experience of Sally Field's voice. Mm-hmm. Of Sally Field, I have an experience of her voice playing all of the wonderful characters that she's played over the years. But there's something very discernible in the voice of this book that I labeled Sally Field, and I guess it's just from hearing snippets on talk shows and things like that. So I was going to ask her about the um, construction of voice and what that was like. Going to ask her about Burt Reynolds? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I haven't um, decided how much of the um, celebrity material in the book that I'll focus on. I think that's going to be very well covered in lots of promotions she's doing this week on on television shows. I would think that'd probably be the case. We're going to have to wrap this up. Uh, Michael Neiser, if a final thought you'd like to leave us with with regard to uh, your your coming to St. Louis or your book. Just to say that I'm really thrilled to be coming back, and I'm going to be staying in the Tower Grove area. I'm going to be in the Central West End. I'm really happy to be back and and take a look around and see how much the place has changed and what things have remained the same. Well, St. Louis is looking forward to welcoming you back, Michael. And I thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Chris, uh, I know you want to promote once again <laughs> this this event on the 22nd. Um, we should point out that uh, just about all of the events are free. I think the Sally Field mm-hmm. thing is uh, is a ticketed. The yes. book comes along with that. And is the other event also a, a, a fee for that? No. Um, all of the uh, – the only other ticketed event is the reading with Gary Steingart. Mm-hmm. All of the rest of BookFest is absolutely free. And, uh, you know, what you heard today from these wonderful authors, you will hear more of on Saturday from a lot more authors. Uh, we've got two National Book Award longlisters on our panels on Saturday. And um, the, the really, just really interesting writers. I feel like if you don't know their names, you will want to check it out anyway. you got to kind of trust us here because you are going to then become – sort of an early tastemaker for some of those folks. Uh, right. it, it's, it's, there's just so much. And, yes, free. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. It's the word we like to, <laughs> like to hear around here. And that's happening, once again, a reminder, on the 22nd, that Saturday in the Central West End. We'll have details on our website. Kathleen Finneran, thank you for being with us. Chris Kleindienst of Left Bank Books, thank you also for being with us. And uh, let's hope for good sure. weather on Saturday. Thank you, Don. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7. KWMU.